0: lifelong house seeker. And I am so pleased to have you here. Let's get started. You're listening to episode number 27 of Confidence From Within podcast. And as always, I am your host, Juliana Lehman. And my guest today is Brooke Collins, Brooke is a confidence coach, and she shared her incredibly powerful story with us today at the podcast, and she did such a beautiful job at it because it's real, it's raw, it's vulnerable, and it is a message that I do believe women need to hear about because then you know that you're not alone, and I know not just myself, but many of you will truly resonate with so many other things she shared especially as we talk about navigating body image issues, many of which, even in Brooke's case, starting as early on as early childhood, as well as how that contributes to self-worth, our relationship with food, and so much more. Brooke talks about how food was her friend, the type of friend that she could count on it, especially as she navigated lots of the struggles of her, you know, early childhood and then into her college years and how that impacted how she looked at food. And of course, as she looked at her own body and her sense of self-worth. But we also talked about the major things, the major shifts that she had in her life that helped her learn to appreciate her body and the beauty of it, regardless of the number on the scale, regardless of the number of the tag of her jeans. And that shift is something that is so special. And I really hope to inspire you to look at ways in your life that you can do the same. Also, in this episode, she shares a very cool tip of an exercise that I believe we all should be doing. So I'm just so I'm not gonna spoil, but I'm just so excited for you to jump right in in uh, hopefully tried the exercise as well. And I would love to hear what you think of it. So make sure to tag us, tag me on Instagram, send a DM, whatever you, your methods of communication are. But I'm just so excited uh, about to sharing this with you. So let me introduce it to Brooke. Brooke Collins is a woman's confidence coach, and she helps women find confidence and place themselves back at the top of their priority list. It is her mission to help women up their confidence game and stop settling for less than they deserve. I'm just so excited about this conversation, and here is Brooke. Hi, Brooke. Welcome. I am just so pleased to have you here today.
1: Hi. Thank you so much, Juliana. I'm so excited to be here. And to get us started, I would love for you to share what does confidence mean to you? Um, confidence really, to me, means um, a comfort within yourself that you don't need validation from any external source. So not from a man, not from a woman, not from a job, not from a friend that you are 100% authentically who you are and comfortable in your skin and on the inside and just roll with life that way.
0: I love it. It is, I know a big question because of your air of expertise, right? So sometimes yeah. you narrow it down, but you very eloquently put it into short words. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that concept, right? Of that, you know, the top and inch, I know the word authenticity is so overused almost nowadays, yeah. but it's also so valid, right? Because, When you're really looking at authenticity from not just how you show yourself, but truly from embodying who you are, I think it's such a beautiful and powerful way to live life. And It certainly is. Absolutely. And from our listeners, I would love for you to give us a little window into your story. And from what I know about you when we met in the podcasting world, let's kind of go back into the place where you use to look at your body and not feel confident and really define your sense of self-worth based on the number on the scale and those more external measures, right, of, of worth. Give us a little bit of uh, history and
1: a little peek into your story. It's a big story, especially when you talk about weight and, um, and seeing your self-worth. Um, I think I'll, you know, like most kids, I really started i gained i guess got a little chubby like most little girls before i started my my menstrual cycle you know when i was in puberty yeah. um pre-puberty like that fourth grade 10 11 area where you start to like put on weight because you're about to you know obviously become a woman air quoting that but um i um i had a mom who who I love dearly, but she was picked on in fourth grade for being tubby. And so it was very important for her to not have me have the same fate. So she started um, rationing my food is what I call it, like portion controlling and making my lunches and, you know, going to Weight Watchers, running mile a day with her. And um, it was all I wanted to do was rebel against it because um, that's not how I needed. That's not what I needed to be able to sort of rein in what was going on with my weight. And at the same time, I start emotionally eating, right? You start like looking for something to fill the, the void or the pain or the shame that you're not good enough. And I think when you feel shame about, even as a kid, you know, who you are, your parents are telling you that you're not doing something exactly right, or you need to change something. It's very shameful. And so food became a friend to me. It really did. It, It comforted me, um, like nothing else could, even though on the flip side, I was gaining weight, like the, the outcome of it was not what I was seeking, but in the, in the beginning of it, it was really comforting for me to have food as a friend. Um, and then my sister was diagnosed with a juvenile cancer when I was 10. And that's really like people start bringing food for your family. That's like, yeah. you get lasagnas and turkey tetrazzinis and casseroles and desserts and cookies. And I mean, people just to be friendly are, I mean, at one point I can remember our freezer was like fully loaded and our counter just covered with stuff. Um, and my mom was helping my sister, obviously getting chemo. And in 1990, chemo was like a two-week thing. They would be in the hospital for like 14 days. So I became, again, dependent on the food. And um, it became very clear that as my weight started rising, that my perception of how my parents were reacting to it, I felt like I was not worthy of anything because I was gaining weight. And it, I was made to feel, and not in a bad way. This is all my perception. My parents weren't like abusive about it. But, you know, if you want to get a boyfriend, you know, boys like girls who are thinner or, you know, it was all very underlying kind of comments. But it taught me that my weight mattered, as to who I was as a person, and that only got um, that only got reinforced more as I went into high school and I started thinning out and um, you know working out all the time and especially when I got into college. I mean, I was working out, walking to classes and all that stuff, and then doing an extra two hours of working out and really disordered eating, not eating all day and then binge eating at night. Um, add some drink, college drinking into that, not eating to sort of save the calories. And it became a really vicious cycle. And I would weigh myself every day. And my value of, I thought who I was, the way that I was valued was tied to if I was fitting into a size six or eight and I was 160 pounds or less, I'm five, eight. So, you know, that's, I'm on the taller end. But um, I just... It has taken me my entire life to battle through the body image, body, you know, dysformula and disordered eating and really um, weighing myself every day because um, I still struggle with weighing myself every day. I'm not going to lie. I'm not perfect. I'm a confidence coach, but I there's just something about it that is hard for me to um to kick the habit. I have some months where I'm good and I am, uh, great at seeing others and helping pump them up. But like other people, like my clients, I need people to help me bump me up. And I have, you know, a nutritional therapist and a coach that I use myself. So, um, it's, it's really hard as a woman in this world, in a culture that we live in that praises beauty and thinness. You, you can't be voluptuous, you, you know, although that's more common today with thanks to the Kardashians, but you can't, you know, it, I, in high school and college, Kate Moss was the thing. I mean, she was like a stick and it was like your collarbone showing. And, um, I really, the message that I received, the message that I clung on to was you, to be loved, to be, be successful, to be accepted by my peers, by my parents, by a boyfriend, you had to be a size two, Um, which by the way, I will never be a size two. My body is not built to be a size two. Um, And uh, today I'm okay with that, you know, and I, uh, I just, it's so hard in a culture that really focuses on diet. Try talking if if you're like, well, no, I think people co- focus on being healthy. Try talking to a friend about eating and what you're eating and see if you can have a conversation where it doesn't go to, well, I'm not eating carbs or I'm not eating this. Like it is so drilled into us yeah. to be dieting and restricting foods um to look a certain way. Absolutely. So I um, rebel against that to this day and loving my body has taken me time. I think motherhood helped me the most um, see my body for the incredible thing that it does. I I literally grew a baby and had a baby and then was able to keep that baby alive through my body. I mean, it just, okay. that to me changed my perspective of, okay, my existence is not just about looking a certain way and weighing a certain amount. Uh, it's about a m- much more than that. And when I had kids, that's when I started shifting to, I need to really get rid of these beliefs and this, this idea that if I weigh, one day I weigh 170 and one day I weigh 174, that it makes some difference um, because it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't matter the number you know? So true. And something you said that I hear
0: from so many women in all these years that have been in this field, a lot of them refer to what you just said, that it starts in early childhood. It's so incredible to really, and I think now we have more awareness of that, but for a lot of women, their weight loss struggles started as a child. And often it is in relation to the mom, which is always, and I know, and like you said, all the other women tell me there's a lot of good intentions, right? When that was yeah. done, it was more with the intention of hoping prevent you from going through what they went through, but that really, you know, implants in our brain that knowledge, right? That worth is associated with size and the rebellion. All those things you said makes so much sense, and I know so many women relate to that to their core, right? Because it is most of our stories. It was, oh yeah, you know, part of my story as well. This episode is brought to you by the Wage Release Shift, a program that I am so excited to share with you. And actually more than a program, this is a partnership in which I join forces with you to take you on this incredible journey, which is Wage Release. Together, we will explore all the necessary mind shifts to get you to places you've never been before, as well as learn what is going on with your hormones, especially as you transition into later phases of being a woman. All of that combined with tasty, healthy, super easy to make foods and recipes to help you balance hormones each for your needs and release excess weight in the process. If you're curious or ready to learn more and join me and all these other wonderful women on this journey, I encourage you to apply at the link below. To learn more, visit naturallyjoyous.ca slash release. And I look forward to chatting with you and getting to know you better. And something else, Brooke, you said that uh, I want to just kind of pinpoint and highlight again for our listeners. And I find this a very interesting point. And when you're talking about, you know, early before college, when food was the friend, right, mm-hmm. you really relied on, you could count on it, right? With a lot of times food provides us that um, it, it's there for you, you know, you can always go back to it. But then you mentioned something that I loved that you said, even though the food did not help you with the external goals you had, right? And that is a very common struggle, right, that I see. And the way that I like to to frame it is the, so the benefits we're getting out of the food outweigh the desire that we have for the body. So the food is performing a job, right? The job of soothing you and comforting you. And you explain it in real life, what that looks like, that that was more important at that time. Therefore, the eating continued, right? Then you get to college and now your value shifted that you want the external. So now working on that, you know, whole food relationship becomes the journey. And I just wanted to highlight that because as we as women as we age and as we progress our value system change in relation to what is most important to us and if we still have the old mentality of our food patterns and relationships that's when we run into struggles right and then you mentioned that eating disorders and uh, or disorder eatings and all those things so very interesting to so point that out <laughs> now let's come back to when after you had the children and you had this incredible, you know, mind shift, right, of the beauty of the body and how much, how amazing the female body actually is from what it's capable of producing, even if the listeners say you're not intending to be a mom, but you still have that capacity, right, um, of generating life inside of most of us. What were some of the major shifts that you had to make in order to start seeing yourself in a
1: different light? Um, I think that some of the beginning shifts were, um, you know, I was so honestly like amazed. I mean, and I, I nursed my kids for a period of time. So that whole process was mind blowing to me. I mean, it opened up like, here I am literally feeding these children and keeping them alive. And, um, I could see the connection of just maternal instinct and all of these things coming together. And I started to think like, I have two daughters. Well, with my second one in particular, but you know, I have two daughters. I can't pass this stuff onto them. That was the the first real desire to shift my thoughts. I cannot, I cannot allow this thought process to go to another generation. Like it is my mission in life to ensure that this thought process does not meet my kids. And um, so that was my first real big shift in how do you how do you change the behavior? How do you change the thoughts that you have? Well, you know, it's a lifelong journey for me because like, you know, we pointed out with the food and being a friend, you know, foods are tied to emotions. And I'm sure you run into this with your clients, but my clients, you know, every big gathering you have with your family, everything that's around love has food involved in it. So even if you don't struggle with your weight, it, it food is a very big part of our emotional, Upbringing, and it's really you know you want your grandma's cookies when you go to certain events, and they trigger really good memories for you and for most people. Um, but I think <laughs> I think the shift is is just looking at my body and knowing that it's capable of doing so much more, and that I didn't want my kids to sort of not sort of I didn't want them to have the same thought processes about themselves that I had about myself and I knew as a mom that my worth was tied way more uh, into who I was, what I was doing, as opposed to how much I weighed and what I was wearing or what jeans I was a- I was able to fit into at the time. Um, I learned something early on through a friend of mine who had struggled with an eating disorder our whole life, I mean, since early high school. And you know, she said, if you, she became a psychologist, right? I mean, isn't that yeah. how it goes when you struggle with something young, you yeah. end up in the mental health field. But um, she had said, you know, Brooke, I think it, no matter what size you are, the main thing you should teach your children is to be comfortable in their skin. And I said, well, yeah, but how do I, if they see me weighing myself, she said, well, don't, don't criticize yourself or critique yourself in front of a mirror. And it's very important that you walk around confidently in your underwear, and when you're naked, you don't sh- you don't hide away and shame yourself, and you know like make them think that it's hidden. You know you, that obviously there's a certain age that that's not appropriate, but you know I was very strategic in my thought process of I'm not going to hide myself, and I've been, I, I mean I have been a yo-yo dieter since I was nine years old. I mean, I have been 240 pounds and I have been 140 pounds and everywhere in between on that spectrum. And it just taught me doing that alone with my first child uh, taught me so much because she loved me for me. She didn't care if that I had loved handles. She didn't care, you know, that the, that I had stretch marks over my belly button. Like, none of that mattered to her at all. And when she would describe me, you look at little kids, when they describe you at preschool, when their teachers ask them, like, tell me about your mom. Not one thing, not one thing was was put into my physical. I mean, my mom is prettier, you know, but like nothing was put into... My weight. And that really, that alone taught me as women, God, we are so hard on ourselves. And do we ever shame ourselves about our physical appearance and the pressure that we feel to be thin and to, in six weeks after having a baby, be back in your jeans that you fit into? It took you nine months to grow a baby. Like, and we're expected in six weeks to, like, shrink back to our pre. Pregnancy size. And I just think to me that when my daughter would talk about how smart I was or funny I was, or, you know, my mom loves people and my mom helps people. And I started to see myself through the eyes of a three year old. And that really was the monumental turning point for me that, like, okay, there is more to me than the scale. And I can't keep. Putting my value in that part of me. It's not worth the the trauma it causes me and the distress it causes me daily. Um, And it's certainly not something I want to pass on to my kids. You know, I think the age old saying, kids will do what you do, not what you say. I could talk blue in the face for them to have body positivity and love who they are. and, And, but if they see me, going and looking in the mirror and being upset and, and criticizing myself and, you know, changing 5 million times because I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. That's what they're going to do. Cause that's what they know. And, um, making that shift was life changing for me. It's how I got started in, you know, my, my field and coaching into everything else. And, um, there was some alcoholism sprinkled in there. Cause when I stopped using food as an emotional support then alcohol became the <laughs> next go-to. Um, so I think that, you know, ultimately long winded answer, just ultimately motherhood to being a mom to daughters is what helped change my, my thoughts on it.
0: And something you said that I think is so incredibly powerful. So I'm just going to bring it back just because I think it's actually an amazing strategy to even for the listeners to take out of this episode today is how would you today, if you were to look at yourself from the eyes of a three-year-old, how would you describe yourself? And I think that's an amazing exercise to be done by, you know, out of women, to just kind of really look back and see what would that child be able to see, right? Because they're going to see your essence, they're going to see your, like, who you truly are, as opposed to what you look like. And like you said, even if they describe you physically, they will call you pretty, they will call you maybe tall or blonde, like the, you know, more characteristics rather than the criticism that, yeah, This is a criticism that we, as we age, get to. Right? So I love that as a bit of an exercise to write maybe a letter to yourself as a three-year-old describing you. I think I love it. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And Brooke, for even inspired by your work and the women that you deal with, so say that you know, somebody listening, they are either not able to become a mom or they have chosen not to become a mom. What would be like a couple of practical strategies that are used to get them back to tapping into that self-confidence?
1: Um, Well, I use all the time for women who aren't moms. One um strategy with my clients is to be comfortable naked, and to be comfortable naked, you know, people can talk all day long about being comfortable in your own skin, right? Yeah. Um, being authentic to you and just being comfortable in who you are in your skin. But how comfortable are you when you're home alone, not in any clothes, because you're stripped down to who you are—that's you—and um, it's really a eye-opening exercise for all women that do it with me because you don't realize how uncomfortable you're alone. Nobody's looking at you. You don't have a video camera on. Hopefully you yeah. don't have, you know, um, you're just stripped down to your core, to who you are as a human and to not clothes and makeup and hairstyles. That's all a shield to block us from being. And when you sit naked with yourself for like 30 minutes or you don't have kids. So you can sleep naked for all I care. You can do it all day. Some people end up liking it, you know? Um, but that's the first step because I find most women don't make it 20 minutes being naked. They don't make it 20 minutes. They can't, they're so uncomfortable with their body. They can't sit with themselves naked without finding something to look at and say, oh, look at that, or, oh God, look at, you know, I kinda wanna look at this, throw on the sweatpants, throw on the shirt, right? Um, So I think if you don't have children, try, you know, sitting nude with yourself for a little bit and see how that feels. And then also, you you were a child once, you don't have to have children. You know, I think the three-year-old exercise, just describing yourself from the vantage point of a child, um, looking at yourself from that um area. If you have nieces and nephews, easy peasy. Well, what do you think of Aunt, you know, Brooke, let me know what you what you see when you see me. I mean, that's all really simple, but confidence comes from practice. It if you're not, if you aren't confident your whole life, which I don't believe anybody is, there are a few fortunate people who. I don't know. They were given the magic of being confident, but it's, it's a practice. It takes practice and a lot of mindset work to be confident in who you are. Yeah. And if you can sit with yourself at the bare minimum naked and feel comfortable, you're 85% of the way to being your most confident self. And I think that, you know, you can look at your body. You can look at your body for the things you get to do. You get to work out. There are women struggling with fibromyalgia or MS or cancer who would give anything to be able to go for a run or go on an elliptical. Or, you know, we really look at movement in our society as a punishment. We're moving to burn calories from food we ate we're not moving for the health and welfare of our body. You know, we were designed to move. And it's not just about your gene size when you're moving. It's about your mental health and the clarity and the anxiety reduction and the hormone production that comes from it. um, That people often don't look at. And it's really important to find a movement that works for you. People think that to move you have to be a slave for an hour and a half on a elliptical or a stairmaster, but you know, how about just dancing in your kitchen for 20 minutes while you're cooking? Find something that rejuvenates you, that makes you feel alive, and that is where you start to appreciate your body. It's so for true. what it does. I did an episode with Amanda Gazzola. This is a couple
0: episodes back. And she describes in her story a lot of body confidence issues as well. And she very specifically found, or found her, but she found a way to exercise, to use it as a way to physically connect to her body. And I thought it was such a unique way to approach movement, right? It was almost the same that we do mindset practice. That was her almost self-confidence mindset practice to get in touch with her physicality to exercise so it was kind of like an interesting so if people are interested uh it's a couple episodes back mm-hmm. but something separate that must be highlighted was that confidence is a practice that's a quotable <laughs> there's gonna be a instagramable quote from the uh-huh. episode, <laughs> just, <you know. laughs> and one of the things i always say and it's part of my affirmations it's The mindset is like hygiene. You got to do it every day, right? And confidence being obviously part of mindset. When you said it's practice, like yes, right? It's something that we grow into. We continue to explore day in and day out. And what I love about, you know, chatting with people like you that works in in the confidence space, there's all these strategies and interesting techniques, right? So I loved what you said about the three-year-old, or even if, say, you don't have children, but you have a dog, You know, you can also, how does that dog look at you? Right, exactly, exactly. Acceptance, right? And those are such wonderful ways because sometimes all we need is a little shift in perspective. So I really appreciate it. And Brooke, for people that want to know more about you, about your work and continue to learn from you, what are the
1: best ways for them to find you? Um, Well, they can certainly go to my website. That's innovativecoachbrooke.com. And they can find me on Instagram at Innovative Coach Brooke, Facebook, same Innovative Coach Brooke, kind of all along the line. That's how I, how I roll. So find me on DM me on either of those or send me an email from the website. That's wonderful. And I'll make sure to link everything to our
0: show notes. So that's super easy for people to click and find you. Uh, Any
1: closing thoughts, anything else you want to share before we close? No, just thank you for having me, and you know what you do is is powerful, and your podcast helps women. Um, I'm I'm very honored to be on here, and I'm grateful that you asked me to come and do an episode because it just is such an important message and an important important ride for women to hear that they can be joyous, they can be happy, they can be free of a lot of the stuff that we we suffer from that we put on ourselves. Absolutely. Oh, it has been
0: my pleasure to get to know more about you and your story. Thank you so much for everything you shared. And I really hope that our passes cross again in the future. Me too. Thank you so much for listening to Confidence from Within. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at naturally.joyous. And I will be sure to tag you back.